1: Sorry.
0: Do you hate your job or does your job hate you?
1: Sorry. Ah. Sorry, I can't find the answer to the question I
2: heard. Ah.
0: My career crisis.
2: Many things can trigger a career crisis creepy boss, co workers doing your head in, your patronizing line manager being younger than you. But what about when you run your own business? All these worries must fall by the wayside. You set your own rules. You make things up as you go along to suit you. One of life's great curveballs as a small business owner is one of your staff having a baby. And what happens when that person is you? Maternity leave can be a very stressful time. Will your job still be yours when you return to work? Will your role have been sneakily changed and you find yourself sidelined? She's probably going to have another one. Does your business partner start implementing all those changes you've been so firmly against? How do you keep the business going while still being parent of the year with escalating and frankly extortionate childcare fees? Our guest today is pregnant, single, a small business owner and in crisis. Can she write having a baby into her and her business partner's fledgling business plan? First, I want to welcome Sue Ahern, career advice expert and founder of Creative People. Hi, Sue. Hello, Ruth. Welcome back. My work is my baby, but help, I'm pregnant. Sue, what's your first tip of how to prioritise work and childcare? The first thing is something you said in your
3: introduction about being parent of the year. Forget that, you know. (laughs) When I lowered my standards,
2: my life became a lot easier as a (sighs) parent at work. I think there's a lot of pressure on women, though, to be mum of the year, isn't there? Especially in those early years, and I think it's so cruel. Pressure
3: from where, though? I think the biggest pressure is the one you put on yourself. So there's three things in this sort of equation. There's you, there's work, there's the baby. You can probably do two of them reasonably, but not all three. And you can have everything, but you can't probably have it all at the same time. So it's a bit about lighten up on yourself and try not to be parent of the year. That would be my biggest tip.
2: Okay, I will take that tip and run with it personally as well. Thanks, Sue. And tip number two?
3: Tip number two... um, having a child the thing it taught me was that any and especially because i had a child when i was older that i stupidly thought that there was an element of control that you had and one of the things you find out when you have a child is you don't that control goes now obviously you've got to have some kind of system and organization which we can go into later But always wanting to be in control of something. And again, that needs some soul searching on your behalf. If that's the
2: sort of person you are, again, you've got to lighten up. And ask yourself which areas of your life you can let go of. Yeah, And just allow them to be chaotic, really. Um, Great. OK, and uh, your final tip. The third tip is enjoy it because um, certainly my kids are the
3: best thing I've ever done, um, bar nothing else. So it is wonderful and it changes you. um, It should change you as a person because it's quite life-changing um, and just enjoy it and don't angst over it so there's a bit of a theme running through these three
2: tips I think
0: My career crisis My career crisis.
2: Well, I'd like to welcome our guest, Sophie Nathan, um, who runs a very cool little bar in the southeast of London in Peckham, which if anybody knows, London will know that it is the vibrant place for the young and trendy to go and um, get pissed, basically. And they do that in your bar, Sophie. Welcome along (laughs) to the show. Hello. Uh, It's great to have you here. So um, I've already set you up as, you know, she's single, she's pregnant, she's a small business owner. Um, Tell us, this is a quite, quite unique situation that you're in at the moment. Your business partner doesn't know you're pregnant it's early days yep you've got a small business that's going quite really well I think it's fair to say what's it been three years the bars has been up and running two years okay just gone two years tell us about the, the, the relationship between you and your business partner um officially because I started a small business as well um and uh, in the last year, and the first thing that my business partner did was come up with a shareholder's agreement, which she made me read and sign. And I just didn't really know, even though I couldn't really even understand it. Frankly, I'm that dim when it comes to these kind of matters. But she was quite serious about making sure our business partnership was kind of set in stone. Have you guys done the same thing? Yes, absolutely. We um, I mean, neither of us actually knew anything about that.
0: I was very lucky. Um, I I was part of this very big group of sort of randomly affiliated people on Facebook and I was in, we were looking for an accountant at the time and I wrote on this thing you know, anyone know an accountant for business? And one of these people in this 300 group of Facebook said, "Yes, I'm an accountant." So we went to go and see him, and it turns out he's like an amazingly shit-hot accountant that is the accountant for Costa Coffee, and he's given us a really great deal. <laughs> I mean, really, sounds um, like the
2: guy you want on your side. Yeah, he also DJs for us on a Sunday. Hey, yeah, he only cool. vinyl. I was not inches. expecting him to be a cool dude. I was expecting a bit he's of a like kind a of, sort of straight 65 guy,
0: five-year-old Jewish guy <laughs> um, whose daughter is also called Sophie. So I think he sort of sees me, you know, I don't know, as some sort of nurturing thing. And um, he set out a very comprehensive arrangement for us where, you know, we are 50-50 partners in a limited company. We have one share each, I think. Um, I mean, again, I have literally no idea about that kind of thing. Um, Also, my business partner had been burnt slightly in the past in a completely different venture and completely unrelated and so she was quite keen to make sure it was all very in stone. Um, and, I mean, the thing is, though, I, I do absolutely trust her, though, as well. Like, as in, it's good that we have all of this thing, but there is an element of, I mean, absolutely an element of trust there. So I hope that while well, the business agreement is there, I also hope that there's some kind of love and trust as well. What well, What I'm very interested in, though, is that you've described her someone you really
3: trust, yeah. you've got a lot of history with, yeah. but you haven't told her you you're pregnant. Yeah.
0: Why? The idea that I was going to go out and do this on my own, really deliberately, is scary. And I did not tell many people about my plans whatsoever. And I just thought to myself, well, when I, you know, if I fall pregnant, that's when I'll start dealing with it. Um, that's one thing. And then on a second level, I think I didn't want to let her down. So the, like the ramifications of what I'm about to do feel massive for a business that relies heavily on both of us or at least it certainly did you know a year ago six months ago um and so the idea that it will absolutely freak her out
2: (laughs) and it will I mean well maybe it won't what's your biggest concern at the moment? Is it telling your business partner that moment, or yes. or actually just logistics? Like, how the hell do we make this work? So
0: when I found out I was pregnant, I literally was like, "I was like, I really want." To. I phoned her up and I said, "Can we have a meeting?" Because I'm very much about meetings. I don't really like to spring things on people, mostly because I'm a bit of a control freak. Oh I, no, maybe not control freak. A management freak. I like to manage everything and make sure it's all laid out in a nice sort of ordered fashion. So I was sort of like, can we make a space where we could talk about the future and what we're going to, you know, what our like hopes and fears are for the next year, right? And I was thinking, okay, we'll have this, set out this meeting and I can then tell her and we can talk about blah blah blah. And she was just like, I'm too busy right now. I can't do this. I mean, we've had a bit of a crisis in our kitchen, which is true. She's like, I can't do this. She's very much focuses on the now and the detail and the small things. I'm very much the big picture. She's like, I can't do this. Can we talk about it in the new year? So then I freaked out. and was like, oh, my God, I can't control this. And then I just let it go. Then I just thought, you know what? If she doesn't want to talk about it, I'm not going to push it on her. You know what? just I've got to think about me right now and... I'm just going to wait until I'm three months and do it then. Um, And that's sort of where I've got to. So I'm worried about telling her. And then also mostly just worried about how's the business, like on a very day-to-day basis, the business is just going to move forward because I've worked really super hard at putting things in place to make sure that my element of it, but there's an energy that I know I bring that's just not going to be there. And I just have to, I just have to get on with it. You know, I don't accept that that kind of, like I said, pushy, forwardy thing is just simply not going to be there. And it might just, I want to say, can I say stagnate? Like, I'm worried that my business is just going to stagnate. Uh, uh, let's think realistically along a sort of
3: timeline. So what are you now, eight weeks? Ten weeks. Ten weeks pregnant. Yep. So we've got a good six months before the baby's born. Yeah. And then a good six weeks two months maybe more before because the babies don't move very much at the beginning they cry a lot but they don't move very much so you don't you know they you could they'll stay where you put them which is quite good um so we've got actually quite a a long time to think about how you're going to do this Mm. so I think first of all there's no panic there's no crisis yet exactly yeah um and then I mean I've mentioned this on other things that we've done that um in my experience, children um, don't need you when they're small.
0: Mm-hmm. They
3: need someone, and they need a focus, and they need to be given a lot of attention. But they don't necessarily need you. And I know that's really hard for a lot of mothers to hear. And a person who suffers most, if you if it's not you, is you. It's certainly not the baby. Mm um I I spoke to my kids recently they're both grown up now and I spoke to them recently and I said do you think it's damaged you by me being at work because I had to go back to work after six weeks because their father's business was rubbish so I had to go back um and I I remember my first job was in Birmingham and I was crying all the way up the M1 um because I thought they'd be dead when I got back Mm. obviously they didn't die um and they were fine but what it what uh, that was all about me it wasn't about them and their answer to me was and they were very thoughtful about it and they said we cannot imagine you being at home all the time Mm, we don't mm, know what that would have meant mm. we don't know what what you'd be like and because they were loved and they were secure
2: it was no problem it's funny because i'm in that world now Mm. i have a 20 month old child so i'm and i've i work you know a lot (laughs) um so I really, I can, what Sue is saying really resonates because I've beaten myself up a lot about being there and needing to be there and whatever. And whereas my daughter spends three, you know, nine-hour days at nursery every week and she loves it. She loves the people, the carers there, the other kids. She has an absolute ball. However, you know, it's it's been a very, very, very precarious and difficult financial balance for yeah. my husband and I to kind of make all that work. So I, you know... I totally get what you're saying and I'd be quite happy to hand over (laughs) Roisin. Love you, kid. But, you know, if I could afford another day, I would, but we can't. So, you know, that's that's that. And, you know, I love my two days a week. I spend with her on my own as well at the same time. But it's tough in this in this society, which doesn't actually support mum's going back to work at all because you have to have money if you want to be able to do that I mean but
0: a part of me so if I'm you know if I'm actually completely honest I set up this business so I could have a baby on my own Mm -hmm. without a doubt I mean before this I was doing creative stuff I mean I was claiming to be an artist I was definitely not making any money and then I hit 35 and I suddenly went you know what this this sense of freedom and everything that I've been chasing it's not for me I want to settle down. I want a kid. I may still be single by the time I'm 38 or whatever, which is when I started thinking in my head I would sort of knuckle down. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? If I'm continuing to be an artist, that's not going to support me. That's not going to support family. So what the hell? So which is why I was looking to start a business, which is a crazy thing to do. If you think about, like, I know, let's just get some stability by starting a bar. You know, it's like, are you serious? Why didn't you just, like, Become a production manager or whatever it was, I could do very easily, but no, I sort of fed. But anyway, so I have absolutely started this business with always very much so the sort of idea that I would get pregnant and it would support me through those early, early, early years. I mean, part of it seems like, um, therefore, you know, part of when we're back talking about why I haven't told my business partner, I mean, also partly there's a kind of sense of like, oh, I didn't tell her that. I was going to ask, that was my next
2: question. Did she know that? No, because (laughs)
0: even even within myself, you know, it was like... I wasn't wanting to admit that to anybody, really. Um, It's a very kind of... It feels quite a... I don't know, sort of a manipulate. It doesn't feel like a true reason to go into business, to go into business to support you, to have a child on your own. No, I don't, know. I, I
3: don't agree. I mean, I think I, I understand when women say, you know, I've been a freelancer, I want to get a permanent job because then I can get maternity leave because they think that's nirvana, you know. Yeah. But actually, um, I started a business and then discovered I was pregnant. Um, not the best timing. But, but what's interesting about that is if you're your own boss... You have freedom. There are lots more stresses and strains, absolutely. But you have your ultimate freedom to say, I work today or I don't work mm, today. Mm. So although it's it's ostensibly harder, um, I think it's a brilliant decision. And I think the other thing to say is as well that when that child really needs you, when he or she is 12 or 13, hopefully you'll be in a position where you can say, do you know what? I'm not going to work school holidays. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. hand that over because you'll have a substantial business, please God by then, mm. that you can make make that work mm. that women who actually work for companies find it much more
0: difficult to do mm. things like term time mm. work well, I mean, I had this conversation with my business partner a few months ago where I was saying to her, "Oh, you know what would be the tri- what would be the dream you know because we 've never even talked about like wage expectations and hour expectations, which is something i'd love to know from her." And I was like, you know, what would be the dream? And I was like, well, actually, do you know what? I'd love to earn, like, 30K and not work at all. And, see, and thinking in my mind, you know, I could go out paint. I could rear children. I could do whatever it is. It's not like I'm going to sit there twiddling my thumbs. There's no sense of, like, laziness in that decision. It was just like, it was total, like... My God, that's a gift from heaven. Imagine that freedom, you know, like money just for not working. Wow. And she was like, Oh, no, no, I, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And there was, <laughs> you know, and I was just thinking, Oh my God, like she's going to freak out when I tell her I'm thinking about having a baby because that's exactly what I want to be doing. You know, mm. I want to be earning a, not a greedy wage, not a big wage, you know, just enough so that, you know, I could. Rear, rear a family, basically. Um, well, that's the key, isn't it? Because it's all right being uh, penniless
3: by yourself. Yeah. But the minute you have children, things change and your emphasis changes from what you need and want and from, to what they need and want. And babies are very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if you go on Facebook and get loads of stuff that other people have had and crowdsource and that sort of stuff, babies are still expensive. If we go back to your partner, because I think that's what you keep coming back to and you're, you're dreading, and you keep saying she's going to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> so if we take that as a given. Yeah. It, I mean, it may not be. It really may not be. But she will be shocked. She'll be totally shocked. OK. Yeah. So, you know, she's going to need time to process this. So it's about saying it will be fine because it, and, and I honestly just listening to you speak. I don't have any worries. About no, you. I don't. It, it doesn't sound to me that much phases you no, that you just roll with the punches. And so you'll be fine. And it's about sort of nursing her along. Yeah. Because she'll be, it sounds
0: like she wants to control everything. And this she can't control. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that was like sort of, you know, I've had my dad, because well, my dad knows my, my family know my business partner because we live together and we're friends and blah, blah, blah. And um, he was like, you know, she's the kind of woman that will like, you know, you, you just to sort of present to her how it's going to work, how maternity is going to work. And I don't know how maternity, you know, I don't know the kind of baby I'm going to have. I don't know whether I'll be the kind of mum that needs that kind of control. You know what I mean? I literally don't know. So that's the other thing is like, I'd like to be able to, to let have, you know, a a plan that I could present to her, but I don't know. If I, I, yeah, I've got no idea what that plan
3: was. I mean, be. even if you did have a plan, it'll probably go out the window. Yeah, it's right? a bit like birth yes.
2: plans. Shall I drop that in? <laughs> Don't worry about those either. Uh, um, yeah. I'll agree with that. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about, let's get into the details of maternity pay and just a, a sort of a sketch of a plan, maybe. Um, after we hear from uh, somebody who's contacted the programme with a little crisis of their own. A little crisis, that's terrible, with a massive crisis of her own.
0: My career crisis. My career crisis. My career crisis.
2: I've been working as a media planner in an advertising agency since I was 25, interspersed with lots of global travelling. I'm now 47. I'm originally from New Zealand. I've worked in Sydney, London, San Francisco, all in big multinational advertising agencies. I have realised after having a baby that's now six that I've actually been very anxious all my professional life. I'm not at ease presenting, which is obviously a big part of any advertising job, standing up in front of rooms full of people, being Don Draper essentially. Um, After a dreadful meeting last week, I've decided to rethink my career. I have not one single idea of the next step. Please help. Sue, how does someone... Where do you start with something like that? If there's an element of your job that you're not very good at, and what people often do is
3: they avoid the bits of the things that they don't like doing, and therefore they never get an opportunity to get better at it. It's a bit... That's the way phobias work, by the way. You get frightened of something and you avoid that thing... A lot, And so the phobia grows and grows and grows and presentation is the same. I do presentation training. So it would be interesting because I wouldn't want her to stop a job because she's frightened of that one bit of it. If, however, she can improve her presentation and then still come to the conclusion that perhaps this job at this level with a child is not really what she wants, then I think that's completely different. Then you leave with your head held high. But whatever job she goes into, if it's going to be in a, um, a related industry, you know, presentation is usually quite an important thing. Also, I'd be interested in, to see what the presentation is. Is it standing up in front of 300 people, which scares the bejesus out of most people? Or is it, you know, that she has to speak up in a meeting and make her points? They're very different environments. And um, more use of question and answer actually takes the focus off you. So I think, think some really good
2: presentation training might help her one-to-one. Do you I think, think twenty-two years into a career, that's kind of too little too late? Like if you haven't been able to become comfortable with it now, what's the point? Maybe she should just leave it behind and do something else.
3: I, I wouldn't want her to do it out of fear. You know, I mean if she's if she's had loads of training and it's not something she's ever been comfortable with and doesn't really want to do, I think that's fair enough. But I see so many people I mean, I was I was running a course last week for dealing with difficult people. <laughs> it's over a subscribe every time we run it. But um Somebody there was saying there was a particular person at their job and, and they they felt very bullied by this person and they were going to leave. And my argument was, if you want to leave, you leave. But don't leave because you're, you you can't answer this person because there's going to be another one somewhere else. You're just running away. Deal with it. Then if you want to leave, leave. But try and skill yourself up, you know, yeah. there's, to be able to cope with those things in the first place. But that presentation might be actually masking other
2: misgivings. She that did say she has. she's been very anxious all her professional life. So, I wonder if it's now and then with having the child, and the child is now six, that that the spotlight has now come onto those things. She can actually focus on work a bit more and realizes, you know, you're not happy. What sounds? It sounds like she's quite up for taking that next leap. It just, it's just where to start. But I mean, it'd be good to,
3: for her to pinpoint what she's anxious about. Mm. Is it general low level anxiety, or is there specific? Is it only about the presentation? Is it perhaps? being a long way from home and having a child, what is it? You know, there's a lot of unanswered questions there, I think. A bit of soul-searching needs to be done. Often something like that can bring a load of other stuff to the surface that you need to deal with. Would you suggest going to see a therapist about it? Um, Not necessarily. I mean... um, uh But I think she needs to think, first of all, what are the most important things in her life? You know, she's obviously very accomplished. She's worked very hard to be where she is. So you wouldn't give that away lightly. But if it's not the right role for her, then that's absolutely the right thing she should be doing. But if you try and have a little mental list of what are the most important things in my life? You know, if money's very important to you, then giving up a job like that and going working somewhere else is going to be quite hard, especially when you have a child to think about. You know, if... Is she saying that she's done a lot of travelling, she's more of a homebody now? Is she saying she'd like to go back to New Zealand? What is she
2: saying? So there's lots and lots of questions. Lots of questions. Well, thanks for getting in touch, Emma. If you have a career crisis and want to come on the show in person or leave an anonymous message, the best way to get in touch is via Twitter. Follow us at MyCareerCrisis. We'll follow you back and then you can send us a message. Um, So let's get back to the nitty gritty of Sophie's (laughs) situation. Um, Maternity pay in a small business and you've got this shareholders agreement, you've got this 50-50 thing. It all sounds fantastic. It sounds very similar to what I have with my business partner. Neither of us mentioned babies and maternity. I don't think we wanted to Jinx, either of us having a child we were like no don't go there um what do you do do they do they need to sit down and officially contract something figure out if they're going to pay sophie i imagine you want to be paid I some maternity like
0: pay
3: well I, I think because it's a partnership that's all up for grabs you have to have a discussion about it and and going back to the partner you know she is going to be shocked and maybe you don't have to have all the the pieces in place, but what you do have to talk about is um, to reassure her that you're not going to go all you know Earth Mother on her and leave the business. It's this is my other baby. Well, unless she secretly wants me to leave, you
0: see, you never know, you never know.
3: I'm 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 not a one for conspiracies. I always think if someone feels that badly, they'll tell you. Yeah, okay. If okay. they don't, it's forget fine. about it's
0: it. <laughs> but.
3: Um, She probably needs to be reassured that you've still got the enthusiasm for the job. And I think the way you described it at the beginning when you said, you know, this has been my baby, it's still your baby. Yeah. You know, Um, and so obviously as you get – there's no reason why you shouldn't work right up until you have the baby. You sit down a bit more, but – you know, mm, mm. It, it often gives you a good chance to get out of the house. Um, so that's still going to be there. So, th- again, we've got another six months to put p- things in place. You know, we don't have to be too previous with this. Um, and then you're quite right in saying, I don't know what this baby's going to be like. I mean, so many people have spreadsheets about what's going to happen after they've had this baby and then they get a screamer, you mm. know, or yeah, they have a baby yeah, with yeah. colic. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how many spreadsheets you've got when you've got a baby with colic. Um, please God, it doesn't happen to you. But, you know, you don't know until you have the baby, first of all, how you're going to feel about it. You know, although I cried all the way up the M1, I found being at home with a very small baby quite boring. Mm. I know I'll probably... Be castigated for saying that. No, no, it is. It's horrifically boring. I, I think so I'm well. going to be
0: horrifically bored.
3: Yeah, <laughs> because they do like repetition. Yeah. all the time. They like watching the same things, reading the same things.
2: I actually, uh, with my my little group of mum friends who I who I found, and we all had tiny babies in our area, we found a baby friendly pub that had a fantastic darts area that you could just put loads of blankets down on the floor babies would lie on the floor like little weird froglets and we'd just sit around drinking wine and you have a bar so I'm yeah. thinking like the first year of, <laughs> of your you and your baby is gonna be wonderful yeah yeah it's very baby fr- I mean we do have a lot of women and their babies come in and hang out I, I also think that having a baby it for me personally made me hit the accelerator pedal in my life in quite a big way oh, really? so and I be quite interested to see you after having had a baby because um, I think you'd be quite extraordinary. I feel like, you know, sometimes, and again, just speaking personally, having a baby made me just get rid of a load of shit in my life that was clogging things up. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't want to have anything more to do with any of this shit. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Best excuse in the world. I've had a baby. Bye. Got to run. See you later. And everyone goes, oh, okay. Bye. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um. And then I started to just focus on a load of really, really good things. And because you have minimal time and it's all mm. kind of like, right, I literally have these three hours while the baby's asleep or being looked after by somebody else and you're just a whirlwind of organisation. You have to be. Yeah. And I think if you've already got that in well, like, your um, DNA, always. Like then that, yeah. you're just going to ramp it up another five gears, it sounds like. <laughs> but, Sue, so, let's talk about actual money. What what should these guys do? What would you advise? What's the plan, do Well, you think? up
3: until the baby's born, it sounds like there's not going to be much change in what you're doing. No. So there's no point to discuss um, maternity leave up and, you know, before... Um, I think, again, it's really hard to be um, hard and fast because, again, we have to take stock after the baby's born. Um, But I think, you know, there's going to be a stage. Even if you don't have a caesarean, my midwife told me when I was trying to sort of get up and be the perfect housewife. um, She said to me something I've never forgotten. She said inside you is a wound as big as a dinner plate
0: Mm. and it
3: has to heal. Mm. So rest. Rest. You know, but you think, oh, look, because you see these stupid pictures in women's magazines, which I never no longer read, which is all about women who snap back into shape and who full slap second day after the baby's born, even in the hospital. And it, you need time to recoup. To So there's got to be a little holiday period. You know, yeah. first of all, you're not going to be incommunicado. So you're going to yeah. be on the end of a phone. I'm sure you'll bring the baby in. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe to take a um, some time off at the beginning when the baby's born because you need to recoup. Yeah. Recuperate. So, if you said, say, a month, and then you revisit it, yeah, Yeah. do you need more time at home? And you, what will happen is because it sounds like you've got a very good relationship with her, and and in order to allay her fears, I think the next six months have to be about putting in a plan so that it doesn't fall off a cliff, and as I'm sure it will won't, when you go on maternity Mm. leave, Mm. so that for a month there's enough staffing, everything is fine, and then you'll start talking about it. Yeah. And I think trying to think of every single eventuality will drive you mad. Yeah. But she needs to know that there's still the direction of travel. I'm sure her, her main fear will be, first of all, um, neglect. You know, is is she going to forget the bar? Is she going to forget me? Is she? Gonna, and you have to allay those those fears because also you have now a child to support. Mm. So
2: you're not going to go anywhere.
0: My career triumph.
2: We need to go to our second issue that's been sent into us from Karen Partridge She says, I'm going back to a big organisation after 10 years of freelancing. I've been working in small companies. The place I'm in now is really small, political, and I feel lost. My job involves mediating between five or six different departments with competing needs and requirements, none of whom are used to thinking outside of the building in a user-centred way. How do I, a person who is very bad at little politics, learn how to navigate this organisation? I've been there two months and feel like I've already pissed away my authority. (laughs) Um, So basically, is it okay to be completely blind to organisational politics? How do you navigate your way around it? When you say blind
3: to organisational politics, if she doesn't get it, if she doesn't, she is blind anyway, isn't she? Yeah. So she, for me, um, I worked in a big organisation, and when I first got my first big job. I made these grand statements about I wasn't going to be political, you know, because men did that. And um, I don't know what I thought I was talking about. And then I realised that, you know, so there were certain meetings where I thought, no, I'm not going to that. I'm not going to show my face and all that sort of stuff. And then I realised that my team was being shafted royally because I wasn't there, you know. And so what it taught me was that you have to be political with a small p., And what I meant by that was that I have to, first of all, represent myself and my team within the organisation. Otherwise, it gets lost. So you have this PR job. Um, I I don't ever mean that I would hurt anybody else or stab anybody else in the back. But you've got to be a grown up about this. And you can't just say lots of women do this. I did it myself. I'm not political. If you work in a big organisation, it's political. Mm. OK, all I tried to be was honest, decent and fair. We're very good at making statements. Just a simple change by asking questions is actually a much better thing to do. So instead of saying, you must do this, if you say, what would be the issues about doing it like this? You know, it's just immediately softer. It's immediately more inclusive. And you're about trying to get people on your side, not alienating them. And if you take a position like, I don't do politics, you've already started down that road. What about the authority
2: thing? She feels like she's pissed away her authority. I'd be really interested
3: to know why she thinks mm. she's done that. Mm. And and authority doesn't have to be... I mean, I think we often feel... Think about a male-centred idea of authority, which is, you know, strong voice, direct, all that sort of stuff. I think you can be quite female about it. Um, I, I often say it's one of my mum's phrases you know you can kill more flies with sugar than with vinegar you catch more of them because um, if people underestimate you sometimes you it usually gives you a lot more power but just I'd be really interested to know why she she believes that because going with a a big stick and being very firm about everything is not the way that you get authority authority is trying to be on people's side so so for example if I go in and say a client's asked me to come in and pitch for some business and I start pitching the business and I immediately get a feeling that they're not getting it you know that there's a problem I can see it on their face on their body language I don't try and sell harder I say I think there's a problem why don't you tell me what the problem is? I don't think you like what I'm saying. And usually they're quite surprised that I do that. Oh well and and they'll often say things like well no it's not a problem it's just and then they tell you <laughs> what the problem is, you know. And then you go that's that's fine. We can we can put that in. And immediately you've got this reputation for being someone who listens, someone who acts on what they're saying. But you're not shouting and I, I don't go in there to be an authority. Um, so there are lots of different ways of doing it. And, um, you know, maybe some training in things like assertion would be really useful for her. You know, in a lot of it is about um, the vocabulary you use and how you say things, not necessarily what you're saying.
2: Right. Sue, brilliant. Lovely, lovely words, as always. Hope that helped, Karen. Um, so, Sophie, you've come in and you've bared all to us. Um <laughs> How are you? How are you feeling about the next couple of steps? Do you feel like that you may have some sort of plan? Has this helped? I think I leave feeling quite confident
0: about my managerial skills <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and my tenacity and uh, my ability to do this thing. There's so many unknowns um, in this whole process. It's going to be a bit scary and horrible, especially because I told you I like to sort of. I don't think it's like, it's not a control, I can't think of the right wording, but it's like a manager. I like to manage everything. I like everything to be managed and I want all the the most best outcomes for everything, you know, and I want to cause at least pain to people. But I'm very direct. You know, I want it all to be kind of,
2: but that's manage why, I think that's why energy. facing your business partner stressing you out so yeah. much. Yeah. Because you can't manage that I conversation. Manage this You're just going to have to put it out I there know. and deal with whatever I comes know. back.
3: There's an innate um, thing in everybody where they want to control stuff, they want to be sure, you know? And uh, it's like people being very risk averse all the time and, and they feel that they can manage risk. You can to a certain extent. But I don't know if you've read a book called the black swan have you ever have you, have you read this it's a business book and it says uh, everybody in the world thought that swans were white because they didn't know there were black swans in Australia right so everybody thought swans were white that was it and oh my god there are black swans who knew and he basically the author uses it to say we can only plan so far and there are always the unknown unknowns that are going to come. You can't control them. And Sophie's plan is good because she's managing what she can, but there's still room there for shocks and
0: problems. And if you've got other stuff worked out, you can deal with that. Mm. I need to write down what I actually do um, on a day-to-day basis, like just a list, a really boring long list and sort of, try and work out who's going to do it when I go that isn't my business partner because literally the the number one thing I don't want to do is to burden her with the feeling like she's got to take on more work because she's already got so much work and she's already really bad at letting go anyway at delegating and you know she's in the kitchen right now because we've got a member of this team is ill why she hasn't got in an agency staff I have no idea but that's what she's doing and that's what she's it's fine it's her style so anyway I don't want to be more of a burden so I think if I write a list it's your job description mm.
2: yes. you essentially feel like you're advertising for your yes. job and yes. that's Although what that's you that's also to... depressing because who knows what it is I actually
0: do I'm just a positive all round good force like how can you put that in your job description I'm looking for a positive force that's a really good plan because they will miss your energy,
3: but, and, and that's no bad thing when yeah. people miss your bit. That's no bad thing. But but actually, to allay her fears, you know, look, I've done myself a job description. Is there anything I've missed out? Yeah, is there And this is my plan on? for delegating to everybody. Yeah. That will make her feel safer
2: because she can see that she's not going to be burdened. Yeah. Well, Sophie, we've loved having you on. Thanks for coming on and being so thank candid. Good luck you. with everything. Oh, know it's going to be fine it's going to be fine it's wonderful stuff thank you so much if you would like to get in touch with us here on the podcast um, best way is to get in touch via Twitter at My Career Crisis follow us there we'll follow you back you can send us a direct message come on the show or just send us a message um, and thanks so much Sophie good luck with it all thanks to Sue brilliant expert with all your wonderful nuggets of advice and uh, we'll be back next time please review and rate us on itunes it means the world it means we move up the charts thank you